word freedom is an interesting word, but really cannot be understood except by someone who has been in bondage. And so today we come to celebrate the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. And in each and every one of our lives, what I would have to say today is that each of us have experienced bondage at some level. But the Word of God says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So I don't know what you came expecting this morning. I'm sure you didn't expect me to have a suit on. <laughs> but whatever it was that you came expecting today, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you out of the Word of God, out of the book of John, the 20th chapter. So would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, the 20th chapter? If you do not have a Bible with you, it'll be up on the screen as I read through it. And I'm going to read several verses today, probably more than I normally do. I want to begin in the first verse of that 20th chapter and read through the 10th verse together. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple. Now, let me just tell you real quickly here, uh, John is the one who is doing this writing, and he's, he's using some literary license. When he's talking about the other disciple, he's actually talking about himself. So that other disciple he keeps referring to is actually John that he's talking to. So they both ran together, and the other disciple, John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And John, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Verse 6, though, then Simon Peter came, and he went in. Can't you just imagine? I mean, Pete shows up, he's going in, isn't he? It says he went in. And uh, it goes on to say, verse 7, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and John saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the Scriptures that he must die, must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now, now when you read that, there, there's such a wonderful story that comes out to us. And, and we, we begin to talk about, oh, isn't that a wonderful story? Isn't that really great? That's a great story. And stories are, are wonderful. But here's what I want to preach to you about this morning. I want to talk to you today, uh, and, and I, just, I just want to talk to you about that it's more than a story. It's more than a story. Now, I, I love stories. I love great fiction. I, I love to read books and, and, and to, to take in all the knowledge that, that we can and, and gain and, and all that. And, and, and great stories are exciting. They can even be motivating. They can move you a little bit. Uh, fiction can kind of get a hold of you and kind of help you. Uh, but, but I want to tell you, they can only take you so far. But the power of a real event is life-changing. And I, I, I don't know what your perspective is today, and, and we all come together on this day, and what a wonderful crowd uh, that has gathered in the house today, and also in the first service was just a marvelous crowd, and, and, and I'm so thankful for that. But we, we did not come today to rally around a story. It's more than a story. It's more than just something you read and go, oh, that's, that's really nice. That's, that's wonderful. Isn't that great? No, it is a life-changing event. In fact, this event changed all of human history. 
Whether you are an atheist, an agnostic, or a believer, doesn't matter. This event, that 2,000-year-ago event, has literally changed humanity and the history of humanity from that day forward. And so we gather today, and we gather on this Easter service, and, and we've come together, and it's wonderful to be here. But, but I want to tell you, it's all about the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all about the benefits that come through that blood. And, and it's wonderful, and it's great to know that, and we can share those with you, that, that the blood of Jesus Christ brings you salvation, that, that the blood of Jesus Christ uh, heals your body, and that the blood of Jesus Christ uh, uh, breaks the curse of poverty, on and on and on, all these things that happen. But you know what? As wonderful as the blood of Jesus Christ is, for us, it produced death in Jesus I mean, the cost that you and I are able today, we're here, we're celebrating, we're grateful for everything that Jesus Christ has done. But I want to tell you, it cost heaven its very best to purchase our salvation. Each and every one of us today who have come into relationship with Jesus Christ can be excited. We can be thrilled today because we have gathered together. And the, the Word of God tells us that when Jesus died that day, uh, that we refer to as Good Friday, which really ought to be Thursday. I'll just slow way down. I took math. I took modern math. I know I'm older than dirt, but I took modern math. And Friday to Sunday morning does not equal three days and three nights in the grave. I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but I got that. Now, here's the deal. We can start a whole new denomination around the truth and we can be called Thursdayist. <laughs> or we can just go ahead this morning and say there's probably several things that have come through church history uh, that may be off just a little bit, but it's okay because the truth of who Jesus Christ was, the truth of his death, and the truth of his resurrection has been life-changing for over 2,000 years in people's lives. The Word of God's clear that, that when Jesus died that day, uh, that there were some things that happened. One, one of the things that took place was the Scripture says that Jesus ascended into the heavenlies, into the, into the heavenly tabernacle. You, you know, in the Old Testament, you read about an earthly tabernacle where uh, the children of Israel would come and, and the high priest would go in once a year and he would offer a sacrifice and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and he would come out and, and if God accepted it, uh, what would happen is, is that the children of Israel, their sins would be rolled ahead for one more year. Uh, and, and that was wonderful. Your sins are rolled ahead for another year. But the Scripture says that Jesus took his own blood, that precious blood, that perfect blood, and he ascended into the tabernacle in the heavenlies, and he offered his blood. He offered a sacrifice once and for all. And, and you know what? My sins aren't rolled ahead for another year. The Scripture says my sins are placed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against me anymore. Now, now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty good news to me. You may remember my sin, but Jesus Christ, because of his blood, chooses not to remember my sin. And, and that's through what he did uh, when he ascended into the heavenlies. And then the Scripture lets us know that he descended uh, into hell or into Hades where there was the, uh, the, the, all those who had gone before were in a holding place. You had the righteous dead and those who were unrighteous. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ went and he preached uh, in, in that time. And then it goes on to say that he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. In other words, Jesus plundered hell. Yeah. 
That's why he was able to say the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Jesus literally went into that place and, and took out uh, the redeemed ones, and they have now <laughs> gone into the heavenlies with him. And, and so as great as all of that is, we say, well, what does that have to do uh, with me right now in my life? And so I would encourage you this morning, if you have your Bibles, go to the book of Romans, the seventh chapter, because I want to bring it down to us right now where we are. How do we live this out day in and day out? How do we appropriate the resurrection to our life? What does the resurrection bring uh, into my life? Look in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans and the fourth verse. It says, therefore, my brethren, and that would include the sisterins too. Come on, if you're religious, you won't enjoy this sermon. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law. Thank God for that. Through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So the Apostle Paul is writing here and saying, this, these are the things that happen when you unite with Jesus Christ. And so in the next chapter, the eighth chapter, I'm going to show you five things real quickly today uh, that you and I can experience through the resurrection uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he lives, we live. And, and we're going to begin to look at some of the different aspects there. Would you look in the first and the second verse of chapter 8? There is therefore now no condemnation. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It really is. Because, I'm, I'm, I want to ask this, some of us grew up in real legalistic church backgrounds. We, we come from some real traditional backgrounds. And we lived under condemnation about everything. We were condemned to breathe deep. I mean, there was just condemnation everywhere. You, you couldn't, I mean, if, if it was fun, it was a sin. Come on, anybody else know what I'm talking about? I mean, if, you know, somebody asked me recently, said, how'd you lose all that weight? I said, anything that I put in my mouth that tasted good, I spit it out. <laughs> you know, if it was good, I can't eat it. And, and it's kind of the same way, you know, with, with a lot of churchianity and, and religion is that if, it, you know, if it, if it's any fun at all, you can't do it. But, but Paul said, there's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For the law, now he refers to it, but it's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here's the first thing that happens because of the resurrection. When you understand and you begin to appropriate it to your life, you have freedom from condemnation. You don't walk around condemned all the time. Do you know what condemnation is? Here's condemnation. Condemnation is when the enemy jumps on your shoulder. Does the devil ever talk to you? Anybody? I mean, he talks to me. In fact, sometimes I think he talks to me more than God does. Or maybe I'm just tuned in better. Oh, wow. And, and, and he shows up and he says, do you see what you did? And I go, oh, yeah, man, I did. He said, you low-down, dirty sinner. You're not, you're not even saved. You're, you're not, you can't get right. You can't live right. And, and he piles all this on, and I, I, and I just go, yes, yes, oh, yes, hallelujah, yes, bless your holy name, devil. <laughs> because it's just, you know, this condemnation sits over. And, and if we're not careful, we'll live that way. But the Word of God says that we've been freed through the law of the Spirit. We've been freed from condemnation. You say, well, pastor, what happens when we sin? Conviction shows up. 
There's all the difference in the world from condemnation and conviction. Condemnation says, look what you've done. It's bad. It's horrible. You'll never get any better. You can't ever get anything right. Conviction says, look what you've done. It's horrible. It's bad. But Jesus Christ has paid the price, and all you've got to do is receive his forgiveness, and you can keep moving on, and you can be what God's called you to be. And so there's an assurance, and I'll give you some assurances today as we move through this. The, the first assurance is of the assurance of freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's not walking in this legalism. It's not walking in this place uh, that, that we are, are, are dealing with, but we're literally walking in freedom. And the Bible says the law of the Spirit uh, works in our life. But it goes on, and, and the Scripture goes on to say, look in the verse, uh, excuse me, verse number 10 and 11. It says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in other words, if you're a believer, if you have Jesus Christ in you, his Spirit in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life. The King James Version says, will also quicken your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, again, I, this is one of those scriptures that I grew up in church hearing that this was talking about one day in the sweet by and by that our, our, we were going to be quickened. We were going to be, when Jesus came back, we were going to go and our bodies would be quickened. But read the scripture. It's not talking about somewhere down the road. It's talking about right now. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken or he will give life to your mortal body, to this body that we're living in right now. And, and so the second thing that happens uh, because of the resurrection is, is that we have freedom from sin. You say, you mean you never sin? Of course I do. If you're looking for the perfect pastor, you're in the wrong church. If you find one, you better check up on him. Because he's either dead or he's lying. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know what? I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm a saint who sometimes sin, but I am not a sinner saved by grace. Come on, I want to help some of you today. You say, well, I've heard that all my life. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, we also heard Jesus died on Friday. <laughs> and we never stopped to count. One, two, three. You can't be a sinner saved by grace any more than you can be married single. Some of you have tried that and it gets you in trouble. <laughs> you're either a sinner or you're a saint. You're either saved or you're lost. Now, because I am saved does not mean I don't sometimes sin. But the body, Scripture says, is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. All right? That's why one day God's going to give us a new body because this one's messed up. Right? I mean, can you imagine getting to heaven and there's a lamb supper of the lamb and you eat anything at the table and not gain weight? I'm keeping on. All right? So there's freedom from sin. In other words, here's the assurance of this one. It's, it's the assurance of salvation. Blessed 
assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. Remember the old song? Of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior. Why? Because of everything he's done all the day long. I mean, that's, that's the assurance we have. Th those of you who come from a Baptist background, you got it. Right? Come on, you Baptists, you, you knew you were, were assured. You, you had blessed assurance. We had blessed insecurity. We had state farm insurance. And <laughs> I got to be good. Too many guests. Look at verse 15, if you would. Verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. That word Abba, just good old southern vernacular, means Daddy. You can just go to God and say, Daddy. That's a revelation for some of you. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. See, the, the, the third thing, the third part of freedom that we receive is that we receive freedom from bondage. He said, you didn't receive a spirit of bondage. You know, the, the law gives you a spirit of bondage. The apostle Paul said, he said, you know, he said, before the law came along in my life, I was doing pretty good. He said, but then I began to read the law, and he said, even things that I hadn't thought about doing, I, I began to want to do because the law was frustrating me. Has the law ever frustrated anybody? No, come on. Any, anybody ever been frustrated by the law? Anybody ever been pulled over by a policeman? Have you ever, ever had, come on, hold, hold your hand up again. I don't see all the heathens are in the house. <laughs> a week or so ago, Sherry and I were out. I was, we were riding motorcycle, and, and, uh, and no, it's not a Harley this time. Pray for me. I'll get there. But anyway, um, and, and we were riding, and I was going through a little town. I won't call the name of it, but I was going through a little town, and I saw the 30-mile-an-hour 30, 30 speed limit, and I thought I got there. But do you know how hard it is to ride a motorcycle at 30 miles an hour? <laughs> I mean, come on, motorcycles are not made to ride at 30 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I am passing this little side road, and this car, I thought he was going to run over me. It went, lights came on. Action, camera, I mean, the whole business. And I went, thank you, Jesus. No, <laughs> I don't think I... Thank the Lord at that moment. But, and uh, I thought, well, okay. And, and I pulled over. And um, when I got to a place and I sat there for a minute, and of course, you, you know, those of you who are in law enforcement, you know, he's sitting back there. And I, I, he was running my tags, I guess, to find out if, you know, I was wanted, fugitive, or how many warrants I had out for my arrest, or whatever he was doing. And uh, my tags were under William Couples. So he, he, uh, came up, and I could tell, you know, I, I was getting, I mean, I was, I was guilty. There wasn't any equivocation. I knew that I was exceeding 30 miles an hour. Uh, and, and he walked up, and, and as he's walking up, I pull my helmet up. And when he walked around where he could see me, he goes, Preacher, what are you doing? 
I talked to his dad in the first service and got cleansing and forgiveness. But uh, he said, do you know how fast you were going? I said, more than 30? <laughs> 47 and a 30. I went, oh, hallelujah. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Slow it down. Yes, sir. That's what law does. I didn't enjoy, I rode for another hour and a half, two hours. I didn't enjoy one bit of it. <laughs> I mean, every little town I went through, I was looking for the law. Because I just knew I was going to mess up. I'd look at my speedometer. I'd be at 30. I'd look up, and I'm at 50. <laughs> and that's what law does. Law always frustrates you. But Jesus said, I've come to free you from that. But you're not going to be in bondage. He said, in fact, he said that you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the assurance. The assurance is, is that you and I have the inheritance with Jesus Christ. Everything that he had here on earth, you and I have. And, and so we can walk in that and we can, we can live in that and we can experience that on a daily basis because of the resurrection. We have the assurance of inheritance. A couple of more. Look in verse 26, if you would. Verse 26 and 27 it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart or the hearts know what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The, the Bible there says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Do, do you have any weaknesses? Now, I, I know you're not supposed to tell anybody. I know that's why we, hallelujah, brother. How is everything? Oh, it's wonderful. Jesus is so good to me. Yeah, I wish I could have been in your car on the way here. <laughs> have you ever noticed? I mean, it is, it is, it is written, so, I think it's the 11th commandment. Thou shalt fight going to church. <laughs> and the addendum of that, especially if you have children in the car. Right? I mean, I, I started years ago coming to church by myself. I mean, I come early, but, but I just, I, it's, it, it's just better. If I got to preach, it's better I don't ride with anybody and don't have to deal. You know, people get out in the parking lot and they're fussing and fighting and they get to the door and there's the greeter there and they're like, how you doing? All of And then their kid goes down to one of the classes and says, guess what my daddy said in the car today? <laughs> we hear those stories a lot, by the way. Anyway, uh, the, 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 the Bible says that the Lord helps our weaknesses. And, I, and I, listen, I've got plenty of them, and you don't need to know what they are, and I'm not going to tell you. But, but I have plenty of weaknesses, but the Scripture says that the Lord gives us freedom from our weaknesses. You know, it's that David thing again where David says, Lord, create within me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit, saying, God, there's some things I just cannot do. And then he goes on to say that the spirit itself prays through us. And, and so here's the assurance. The assurance is uh, of your prayers being heard by God. 
Because of the resurrection, because of what Jesus Christ has done, you have the assurance that even the Holy Spirit will help you pray. And, and there are moments the Scripture says you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. But the Spirit of God prays through you and it helps you and intercedes for you on, on your behalf to, to bring you into that place where Jesus Christ uh, is, the Bible says, interceding at the right hand of the Father uh, for you. And so, so those prayers are going before the throne of God on, on your behalf. And then verse 28, the, the last part of this today, uh, says, And we know that all things, and all of us have heard this, I'm sure, if you've gone to church much, uh, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, the, the fifth freedom that you receive because of what Jesus Christ has done is the freedom from fear. I don't have to walk around worried about what's going to happen in my life because the Bible says all things work together for my good. Now, it did not say all things are good that work in my life. You know, a lot of us got saved because somebody told us if you get saved, everything will be wonderful. Right? Remember hearing that kind of a sermon? If you just turn your life over to Jesus, everything will be great. You know, I found out that when you turn your life over to Jesus, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> I mean, it really does because... The darkness is coming against you in every way that it can to destroy your life. And so you, you've got to come to that place of living and saying, wait a minute, the Word of God lets me know that I have been given the ability by what He has said that all things, whatever's happening in my life, whatever I am experiencing, whatever I'm going through, all things are going to work together for my good. Now, what does that mean? That means I have the assurance of heaven. Listen, I know where I'm going when I lay down. I, I, don't, I don't worry about am I saved, am I lost, am I going to heaven, am I going to hell? I know where I'm going. I love the scripture that says, uh, I know in whom I have believed and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. I, I, I know what's going to happen in my life. I have the assurance through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago, you can have the assurance today of an eternal home. Listen, this life is moving, ladies and gentlemen. If you've lived very long at all, you know that time passes quickly. It really does not seem that long ago that I was in high school and in college and had just first gotten married. But I've turned around twice, and the first Sunday of June, I will have been pastoring for 31 years. That's a long time. I need a gold watch or something. <laughs> you know, it's, that, it's that retirement time. Go, you know, go fishing or something. And so, you know, at this point of life, I'm, I'm looking at life and going, you know what? A lot of things that were really important a few years back are not important. Really aren't. The important things are those things that revolve around what Jesus Christ has done for me and how I can live to please him. 
And so we've gathered today, and it's, it's, you know, it's a wonderful day. But the reason for this day is so that every one of us can have the assurance of heaven. The blood of Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb that the Bible says was slain before the foundation of the earth, that blood is available today to every person in this room, every person who's watching today. That blood is available. He's already paid the price. Jesus Christ has already done everything that he could so that you could experience the resurrection. It's not a story. It's not just a good thing that happened back there somewhere. If Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and he either is who he said he was, or he was a lunatic or a con artist, he wasn't just another good teacher. He wasn't just another ascended master in the line of Buddha and Muhammad and Jesus. Because he is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and by him all things were made. So Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only way for salvation in our lives. You can't be good enough. You can't offer enough good works. You can't go to church enough. You can't do any of those things. It all has come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're here today. It's because of the resurrection. You say, no, Pastor, the reason I'm here, my family always goes to church on Easter. That's great. But you know what? It's more than that. It really is an understanding of what kind of life you can have. And you may have a good life at this point, but if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you're missing something. There's a part of you that's not full. There's a part of you that you still need something to come along, and he's already done the work.